Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on, man? We have a lot to discuss, man. We had our holiday break, so we're back from that. So, I like how it's a holiday break, yet you and I don't ever take days off from this. Have you ever thought about us taking like a break? Because we have seasons, so I finally upgrade, updated the board. You guys can't see it. There's going to be more coming to the set in the future because I don't like that you guys are just staring at white walls. So... Um, I don't know why they got to be white, but that's fine. Because they reflect, uh, and it just brightens up the scene. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we're going to try to decorate a little bit more uh, so you guys have something to look at and to get some depth into these shots. But either way, we're on season two. We're coming up on the end of season two. I mean, the end of December is season two. Uh, And then it switches to season three, math in January. Did you ever think about us taking a break, like a month off or anything? Or you just... I don't think we can. Yeah, we can't. Because it's all about consistency. So we have to just push through. It seems like a lot of podcasts do, though. I mean, outside of Joe Rogan, who does like 47 a week, and they're all 14 hours long, cannot keep up. But a lot of my other podcasts I listen to, they do seasons, which is insane. Yeah, well, we're not them. Yeah. We grind. No, I think that it's it's good that we're not them. I like us just keep grinding. I mean, what are we going to do for that month off? Just sit in our house and be like, oh. Okay. It's to the point now where we're so consistent with this that it's kind of weird when there's nothing to do. Like right. over the Thanksgiving, we did everything we had to, and it was just that lag of five days. It was super weird because mm-hmm. we, 
I mean, we plan accordingly for the breaks of the holidays and yeah. things, but it's not. It's just very weird not to think about the podcast. And the only thing we have to do is just throw up a social media post, which takes 0.06 seconds. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good point. So to our listeners, they might not see a break, but you and I still take breaks. Like sometimes we'll jam two episodes in one day, and then we'll have two weeks off. Yeah. Or if you are going on vacation, I'm going on vacation. We plan that so no one else sees that we're breaking, but you and I are recouping. That's right. Recuperating, as they say. Basically, it consists of us chugging honey to make sure our vocal cords stay mint. <laughs> and doing vocal exercises. La, 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 la. Unique New York. So, the yeah. Arsidus has oddly shaped feet. So, no, we take breaks, but yeah. I don't think we should consistently take long breaks because that's going to hurt the podcast yeah. and our listeners look forward to our episodes and posts from what i understand i don't know why but yeah you know all five of them so speaking about uh, us not taking breaks and us continue grinding if you're new here please hit that subscribe button leave a like on this video and a comment uh we posted in our um introductory post to our episodes the other day that we introduced new music which you guys are probably hearing into the episodes let us know if you like that so far the feedback that we've gotten is fantastic and it just takes our podcast to that next level to make it seem a little bit more official i guess because all all podcasts have or a lot of the podcasts that i listen to have music so it's it's nice so yeah if you're new here hit that subscribe button follow us on our journey we're on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere that you can get a podcast we are there that's how official we are then you can also follow our instagram and our facebook we will link them down below so michael we had a busy week yeah we did dude yeah we did so we had thanksgiving uh and obviously it was a small gathering this year. So knock that out with my sister and brother-in-law. So that was it. Total of four people, two dogs. It was perfect. Did um, you have any Cuomo stickers popping we up? We did. We did. We had a Cuomo <laughs> sticker on the uh, window. He was watching us eat. So that was fun. That was a good time. I love the person that created that. It is so funny. Yeah, it's a gem. I just, I just don't understand. Like, I, I get it. I get the whole aspect of it, but come on. I know. I know. It's the holiday season. What are you going to do? Well, legally nothing. So right. the what was the uh, what was your Thanksgiving like this year? Virtual, honestly, because my family didn't want to do it, which is fine. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that, uh, but it was all virtual, and that has its own challenges, but also its own, like, pros. Like, you don't have to go anywhere. Which so what I'm happened? such a homebody. We just had a Zoom meeting. So you had a Zoom meeting yeah. on the entire day? No, for an hour. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then what did you eat? Did you make your own turkey? No. So my, for my dad's side of the family, my stepmom and my dad brought over a care package, which had like uh, bread in it and like different turkey or different Thanksgiving type of not it like wasn't sides. turkey or mashed potatoes or anything like that, but it was like desserts and uh, bread and cookies and all that stuff for us to because we weren't planning on sitting down and actually having a formal dinner on that side of the family. It was more of a let's all get in touch and at least talk during this holiday, which it was good because we don't normally get to see my uh, uncle and my cousins that are in the south, so Florida and Georgia. So normally we don't see them on Thanksgiving, and we did this year, even though it was virtual. It was still pretty nice. My mom's side of the family, though, uh, the three siblings, so me, my sister, and my stepsister, we all cooked and made something. And then we brought it to my mom's house, divided it up, and then left. 
So then we all went back to our own houses, had our Thanksgiving at our own houses with all of the stuff. But my mom has some things going on, so we weren't 100% sure what would. Like, worst case scenario, this thing does transmit easily over this stuff. What's me sitting at home on Thanksgiving, you know? Especially if my mom is a little bit more expo- or, um, prone to getting it and something severely happening to her. So we just decided this year it, it makes sense for us to not all congregate. Especially because there's like 12 or 15 of us. Gina works at a school. Mm-hmm. I, Journey, she works at a school. You and I are interviewing people all the time. My stepbrother works at the mall uh, during Black Friday. So th- there's just a lot of stuff going on that we didn't want to bring to the house. So mm-hmm. it just made sense. I, I don't personally like care either way, but it just made sense. Right on. So you went to your family or your yeah, sister? I, and your, I, yeah, I went yeah. to my sister and brother-in-law's. Uh, slept over there, thank God, because... Had a pretty interesting Thanksgiving. It was a typical Irish move, but uh, yeah, I, I essentially ate. It was incredible, and then we took a walk afterwards to walk everything off. So we took the dogs around the block for a walk. No one was really out, so that was nice just to kind of get some fresh air. On that twenty-minute walk, I hotboxed a cigar, so that was not smart. Uh, I was also definitely in the like bag. in your car. No, while walking. Oh, we we had a cigar while gotcha, walking. Okay. So me and my brother-in-law, yeah. no one else. So. I was in the bag. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't half in the bag. I was there. Then I hotboxed a cigar because I was there. Then I walked upstairs. So what do you consider hotboxing a cigar? Because when you say hotbox, I think the window's up in an SUV oh, and you're no. just breathing in all the fumes. No, so it's it's a term typically used with cigars where you're literally like double puffing and you're just crushing oh, okay. the cigar. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's always hot. So you're just, you're hotboxing sure. it. So you're just slamming this thing down. Not the best move. Uh, cigars should take like an hour and a half, two hours. Like you're relaxed. You're enjoying it. No. I just like sucked the thing down to 20 <laughs> minutes. Walked upstairs, turned gray. And then uh, I basically removed my dinner from my stomach. And really? That was at 7.30 p.m. At 8 p.m. I fell asleep. And then at 8 a.m. the next day I woke up. So. Jesus. Did good. Definitely slept all of Thanksgiving. But. I needed to sleep, and I felt great when I woke up. Everybody else felt horrid uh, because they stayed up till 2 a.m. and drank. And shout out to my wife. She drank an entire bottle of pumpkin whiskey with my sister-in-law, her sister, until 2 in the morning. So she crushed it. Did they like it? Obviously. Obviously. Well, you get to a point in your drinking night where you're just like, I don't even care anymore. Yeah, no. But they, they liked it. They loved it. That's yeah, cool. so they were super excited with that because you can't find that almost anywhere now. It's really, like, it's yeah. already out. Oh yeah, it's pretty much like gone. I still so. have a full bottle in the basement, basically. Good. Outside of what you and I had on the pod, yeah, we didn't drink it all. Nice. So now it's in the basement. We're gonna have a little, uh, maybe a little get together around the holidays. So we'll have to bring that out and start dishing it out to all the guests, just mm-hmm. getting them all hammered. I mean, It'll obviously, be less than, than ten yeah, guests, less than but... ten. Obviously, we're not psychopaths. <laughs> So I started reading. I don't know if I told you that. I yeah, started reading. I made fun of you for it earlier, but it was off camera. So let's tell the people about what you're reading. Obviously not Karl Marx's like manifesto, but. <laughs> no, it's actually Hitler's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh <my> so <laughs> I'm opening uh, up my beer to that. So we, okay, you want to open up the beer and we'll, we'll tell people what we got really quick before we go into the segment. Yeah. So really quick, we. We're telling you guys that we partnered up with Briar Brothers to make a beer. This is a great transition. They're going to love it. <laughs> so Hitler to beer. 
dude, we are going to get <laughs> shut down. It's fine. So we partnered up with Briar Brothers to make a stout, and this is what we're calling thick frequencies. They're, it's very thick. This is a hefty boy coming at 12% alcohol. So we're going to... It's a stout, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. A 12% stout that is coffee with some chocolate, I believe. Yeah. And it... Let's let's pour yeah. this so they can see this. So everybody can see the motor oil coming yeah, out. Yeah, it of is it. legitimately motor oil. Jesus. Dude, look at how dark this is. Oh my god. There it is. Look at that friggin' head on that. Are you kidding? <laughs> Jeez. This is gonna be yeah, I'm gonna let this Thick. sit for a second. That's exciting. So, anyway, so, so back to me reading the uh, docu- the autobiography of Adolf. Um, I started reading. <laughs> I started reading a couple books. So I'm not a big fan of reading. Uh, all throughout school, I, I think I've talked about this before. I don't ever remember finishing a book. I don't think that I ever did finish a book. I read. Okay, so I read one book. I am a liar. I read one book that was a play. Oh, I and thought I wrote, you were gonna say the Bible. No. I would not read that. So I read. (laughs) (laughs) You're just on a roll. (laughs) I am. Uh, So I read one book and I use that same book for every book report for my schooling career. I didn't read. I spark noted everything. That's the way that I got my information. Now, what I come to find out lately is the only reason why I didn't like reading is because I don't like fantasy. And we've talked about this, especially Mm -hmm. with cartoons and everything that, like, my whole past. Like, I'm not a fantasy person. I don't like things that aren't realistic. So, recently, I picked up a uh, book, Edward Snowden's book about his um, permanent record, about his whole journey getting, um, getting or basically, what's the word? Exiled. There we go. Out of... Like he can't come back to the U.S. Like he, has I don't know to be where pardoned. you're going in which e word. Yeah, I know. But yeah, he had he has to get pardoned to come back to the United States. Like he's a traitor of the country. That's what he's labeled as because he exposed secrets of the NSA that he shouldn't have exposed because he was a CIA agent. Whatever. So I read this whole book and I realized that now I have a passion for reading autobiographies or biographies or some sort of nonfiction book because I like to imagine everything in my mind and it's hard for me to imagine fantasy stuff because I don't like that. So I, I got on a uh, pretty big kick and basically all my books are driven from the Joe Rogan podcast. So any guests that he has on, if I like their story and they say that they're selling a book, I'll buy the book. So I got, I got a pretty good collection of books now that I've just been reading uh, nonstop and I just found a joy of reading now. That's weird. And it, it's kind of stupid. It makes me feel dumb because... Obviously, people are like, what do you mean you don't read? Are you kidding me? But now I found myself like, I'm reading this book and I'm like, this is really just like a super long podcast. And normally that's the connection that you make, but in reverse, you know, like you're reading and then you listen to a podcast and you're like, oh, this is like a story of his life in book form. And now he's just telling it on the podcast, but I'm the reverse. I'm like, oh, this is, this is like a, a, I'm reading a podcast scripture. It's like, no, duh, you idiot. It's a book. Like everybody should read a book. Right. I'm just surprised you didn't get into, uh, audiobooks i i do and this is this is interesting because i would love to get into an audio audiobook but then i wouldn't have that copy to build a library someday like i fantasize i'm telling you this oh, dude. when when i go more into debt let me tell you i'm going to buy a huge house with a library with leather chairs 
a, one of those Harvard law lamps, you know, like the golden that come over in the green and just shines down. You know what I'm talking about? Unfortunately. We'll, we'll throw up a picture. Uh, I want that set up in a library and just books on books on books. I can't have that if it's an audio book. I can't put like Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. Those are too expensive. <laughs> I'll already be in debt for buying this house. So, But yeah, I'm an audio learner. That's why I like podcasts. And that's why I listen to Joe Rogan's. I just listened to one. He's not a sponsor of this. Let me tell you. He's not a sponsor whatsoever. But have you ever seen the movie Solo, Free Solo? Yeah. The, I just listened to the, the dude, Alex something on his podcast yeah mm-hmm. it was such a good episode mm-hmm. he's a riot and the, the reason that i listened to that one is because he just had a, a girl on who didn't free solo that same mountain she was attached to a rope but she was like the first female to do it and it, it's just wild man i would never never do that i couldn't imagine having that conversation like yeah i climbed the mountain you know it was interesting to rig it all and make sure that my ropes were tight and my my clip was on and, and then he's like yeah i climbed it too and she's like oh like what equipment did you use he's like just chalk <laughs> like ah cool there was a picture of one of the dudes because he idolizes someone there's someone out there better than him yeah which is like what what right what do you mean there's someone better than you with this you did like that mountain but it was interesting because he talked about the scale and there's this dude that keeps pushing the scale of what is considered the hardest because he just keeps finding these crazy hard mountains to climb. And he's like, okay, now this is 12B. Now this is 12C. Now this is 12D. Oh, this is a 13A now. And he keeps moving that scale of what is harder. And it's like, what are you doing, man? But they showed a picture of him. And he is, one picture, it's like the the rock doesn't even look like you can hold onto it. And he's holding onto it by like the tip of his finger. It's like, what are you doing? And then there's this one picture of him shoving his knee into uh, like a crevice in the rock and him applying pressure to his knee through his calf. And then he's hanging upside down with his arms just like dangling. And Alex is like, yeah, that's a pretty common way to like relax. Like relax? <laughs> what are you, You're going to die. What do you mean relax? No, thank you. Dude, I, I couldn't. What, what would you feel comfortable with with like – an ad- adrenaline and an exhilarating activity like that. What would be the furthest you would go? Like, would you go skydiving? I've already done skydiving. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, well, then there you go. <laughs> would you ever go, like, base jumping? Yeah, I've always wanted a base jump. Really? Yeah. But I would prefer... Most skydivers don't base jump yeah. because they understand the dangers of it, right? But I would... Say I had my license and I was just jumping, you know, 40 times every couple months, like... I'm always skydiving Mm -hmm. and I fully understood my body and, you know, I wasn't fat and I was, you know, in better shape and things like that. Then once I understood more body control, then I would kind of, I would test base jumping for sure. But it's also extremely illegal and you always get arrested. But yeah, there's actually a beach in Greece that I would love to jump because you land on the beach and it's a horseshoe island Mm. that's super high and it's famous for base jumping. And I always, that's what got me into base jumping when I was a kid. I saw a video, and I'm like, that's what I want to do. And then my dad was like, you're not, because I want you to live. Mike, touche. So, okay, what is what is base jumping? It's an acronym. Base is an acronym. Um, building, <clears throat> it's like building air structure equipment, something like that. Um, but it, it basically, it's you jumping off of something solidified, not jumping out of something. So it could be a cliff, it could be a building, it could be a tower, a satellite, a bridge, 
I did not know that. Yeah, so the acronym, uh, that's going to bother the hell out of me. But, yeah, it's base is an acronym. And then... So what do you jump with? A parachute? Yeah. Yep, you still have a parachute on you. And then based on the altitude and or the height of what you're jumping off of, you can either have a packed parachute or an unpacked parachute. Say it's a low-level bridge, but you have, you know, you would still need a parachute or else you would die type thing. Then you would just have the parachute outside of your, um, like, harness. And then you would just jump. And then with your parachute, let it catch the air. And then that's how you would Yeah, until it gets jump. caught on a structure of the bridge, and then you die. Well, that's it, one of the issues with... <laughs> one of the issues. That's one of the issues with jumping off of a cliff, is because you can get sucked into mm. the cliff in the rock face yeah. just because of wind. Well, that's what Alex was saying during that interview, is he... Oh, that's what it was. So building, antenna, span, and earth. Gotcha. Super close. So... That's what Alex was saying, because a lot of people, when they do free solo or when they do any type of like extreme rock climbing, a lot of people suggest, why don't you just have a parachute on? And he goes, one, you're never going to use it, really, or you shouldn't have to use it. So it's going to be 10 pounds of extra weight climbing with this thing. True. And two, if you need to deploy your parachute, you have to make sure as you're falling down, you push yourself away from the mountain, angle yourself perfectly. So when you let the parachute up, you fly away from the mountain instead of into it, because then you'll die and strangle yourself. So, And the whole point is to stay on the rock face. Right, exactly. So would you ever like do a wingsuit? Wingsuits seem wild, man. I would. There's a lot to that where I think I looked it up. It's 7,000 jumps. Oh, really? That you need before you can do a wingsuit. Or I think that was like the average where most skydivers have 7,000 jumps before they even do a wingsuit. But same thing. Wingsuits have parachutes built on. And then the other thing is you're constantly moving your back legs Mm -hmm. to stay straight. So it's exhausting. It's, It's a massive endurance event. But yeah, I would... No doubt, do that, especially out of a plane. Yeah. I would all day long, yeah. but but off of a mountain it's, base, it's scary. That's, that's its own. I was yeah. watching a documentary on that, and they were just flying through tree gaps, and your your hands start getting clammy. You're nervous for them, and you put yourself in that situation. And zero chance I would ever do it off of a mountain, off a plane. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would you? So, like, when it comes to skydiving, too, my sister's boyfriend. He, I think he's a certified skydiver now or he's really close to getting it, he can do his own jumps now. So he mm-hmm. doesn't have to have somebody with him. He can pack his own chute so he doesn't have to have anyone do that. So he's at that level. And he was saying, like, the the next big thing is for you to do, like, a plane. Or the, the next thing above skydiving is when a, a helicopter is stationary and you jump from there. That way you're getting straight down instead of, like, coming down at an angle. Right. Because it's more of an adrenaline rush. I'm pretty sure I could be making all this up, but it sounds right. It's a common jump in the Army, too. You start with static, and then you can also just do um, – you can jump out of helicopters. That's normal. Would you ever? Did you ever do that for training? No, I never went no. to airborne school, be, mainly because um, in the branch that I was in of the Army with the Guard, you, ha- like, you have to be in a jump unit, and it has to be through the state, and it's just never going to get funded by the state. So mm. we always asked. We always put in for it. It just it wasn't a thing, especially just because it, once you go to jump school – and your unit, you know, say it's a jump unit, right? Like your unit's full of paratroopers. You have to jump X amount of times a month to maintain jump status. And it's also increased pay. And it's it's this full thing because you, you know, you get you get jump pay plus your base pay. And it's, it's a full thing. Mm-hmm. But no, I didn't. I would love to. But I also love being a leg. Just, you know, I had the same back pain as the knee problems that paratroopers <laughs> did. But I just walked everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. I would, in a heartbeat, that was the one school that I would have loved to go to. I just 
didn't. We talked about it. I would have loved to go to sniper school. Not have lasted a second, but I would have loved to gone. I mean, you would have been fine. It's a point-based system, so just make sure you got your grouping in the first on day zero, and then just don't fail out. Have you ever seen how shaky my hands are? Well, that's zero chance I would ever be able to make it in any sort of grouping. Oh, stop! It's all training. You just shoot at your natural breath. Natural. I mean, it's. I can barely get the milk and cereal from my spoon to my mouth without dripping anything. I'm pretty sure I would not be able to survive. It's fine. <laughs> I know a couple of snipers will take it to the range. All right, that sounds like a great idea. What What would you shoot? What do you mean? Well, what do you have to shoot? So a lot of them have their own rifles that they bought outside of the army that are long range precision rifles. But what does the army issue you for sniper school? What does it issue you for sniper school? Yeah. Like, so well, the what schoolhouse, is the, stock one? the schoolhouse has its own weapon. Well, there's there's a variety, oh, okay. but the schoolhouse has weapon systems that you basically are with during the duration of the course. Um, obviously, you group in zero with your. Um, I'm sorry, you group with an M4 to get into sniper school, and then if you don't do that, then you don't even walk in the door mm-hmm. really. And then once you're there, they have the Barrett 50 KL, the M110, um, and then I believe one or two others um and then you just that's it i mean you're constantly shooting you're and what a lot of people forget is how important a spotter is because if you if you suck as a spotter you're going to hurt the shooter and and it's a team so it's it's say you and i go to sniper school if you fail i fail Mm -hmm. essentially just because we're the same team but it's a point system too so if you you know say the whole school's out of a thousand points if you get over Whatever the lowest number is, then you technically pass sniper school, but you're just not honor grad or, you know, whatever. Interesting. Yeah. So well, let's do it, man. Let's go to the range. You can be my spotter. Perfect. <laughs> I'll probably just sit there and feel like, like I kind of got something. <laughs> we'll start small. <laughs> at, what, at what range do you need a spotter? I, I mean, we've, dude, we've had spotters for dudes that needed help zeroing. Like it's. Perfect. Because then you're trying to identify deficiencies and actually help them out with getting their fundamentals toned in. It's called coaching. So you're trying to actually help them zero their weapon. Most times it happens where we get called in, say, you know, our unit runs the entire range and then we'll run the range for a week, but then we're also running the qual for the entire division Mm. or, you know, squadron or whatever. Then we'll have other units come in that aren't infantry and that don't shoot as much as we do. And then we have to coach them to actually get them to qualify so that they can go back and do their pogue job. Gotcha. So you know, if a chef shows up and their Kevlar is all jacked up, they don't even have eye pro on correctly, like it's crooked, and they're just like one eye open, one eye half closed, like they're just all over the place. It's like, dude, relax. Like we'll do some. PMI will get you squared away so that you can actually know how to hold your rifle and then we'll we'll coach you up. There you go. So, but it's I mean I don't know anything over 500 500 meters I'd say. Nice. Just to to give you a number. Yeah. But I could be totally off at, I don't know. I mean the furthest I've shot was 500 with an M4. But it was a KD range and that was it. But I haven't done anything specific. Like we've we've worked obviously we had snipers in our unit they had their own range and then if I went there everything was already dialed in their dope was set and they're just like we want to pull the trigger and shoot I'm like all day long so you put double ear pro on lay down behind the gun and then you just shoot you know a couple rounds give yourself a concussion walk up oh, that was great man <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things but yeah I mean one of my buddies he he shoulder fired a fifty cal before seriously yeah he just stood up 
shoulder fired it, hit a target, and I put the gun down. He's like, I'll never try that again. Dislocated I, a shoulder? No, he was fine. I mean, he braced for it, but... You, you know. have to brace a lot. Eh. Do people dislocate their shoulder with a shotgun? Because they're idiots. Well, yeah, obviously. And they're not... I mean, if... If the, you're you're fine, trust me. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, you'll be all right. I'm sure there's a video of it somewhere. Maybe I don't know. NSA's here. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But what else happened during your week outside of Thanksgiving? That's really it. I had to have my furnace replaced, so everyone knew about that exciting time. Yeah. So the new furnace is in. The new furnace is in. Nice. Uh, now I'm extremely paranoid about smelling gas inside my house, even though it's fine. It's perfect. Yep. Everything's good. Uh, and then I am getting my roof replaced on my income property come the end of this week. So that's exciting. And yeah, so we're just going to keep struggling through. You know, that, that's how it goes. We just, we stay on a path. And as soon as something comes up, I'm like, someone is testing me and I'm going to fail. That's what, always what I say. I'm like, no, I'll be fine. It'll be good. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that, that was really it. We just relaxed. We didn't really do anything crazy. Um, yeah, just a pretty low key week for us. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Goodness. My uh, I have a snowblower, and uh, that, that's it. That's the end of the discussion. I have a snowblower. Um, and it's leaking gas, so it's super fun. Uh, you walk in and you're like, dude, I can smell gas. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I I put a full tank of gas in there the other day because I wanted to start it up and make sure that it was running for the season. And when I came back out, the gas can was completely empty, and it's all on my garage floor. So this heater is really good. It's going to explode the entire garage up. Love it. So it's going to be a good time. That's it. Insurance money. We're all going to die. <laughs> nice knowing you. Fun times. But yeah, that was really, I sold my winter tires too. Good times. Good times. I didn't have any use for them. They're just chilling back there. And I was like, yo, I put them up on Facebook Marketplace. And within two days, I had like 400 messages. How did you sleep with 400 messages on your phone? That's insane. Yeah, I didn't read them all. Yeah. No. That's wild. It. So I just responded to the first one, and he's like, yeah, I'll come by tomorrow. I'm like, all right, perfect. Nice. So he just came by today, picked him up, and then left. That's awesome. Damn. Can't beat that. All right, man. So you want to get into the whiskey segment? Even though it's not? We got a we got some beer today. We're gonna put some beer in the whiskey segment. Hell yeah! I'm stoked. I'm gonna cross it out on that little picture that comes up. Whiskey, just cross it out, and then beer. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. So we have Briar Brothers. If you don't know their story by now, uh, what are you doing? They're a local um, homebrew. Basically, they brew for themselves, and then like we're friends with them. We've been friends with them for a while, so we grab beer from them they proof for the boys yeah so they are hopefully one day going to be a bigger company because their beer is that good that they need to be but go back and listen to the interview with briar brothers we had them on yeeks a year ago at this point basically yeah yeah so we had them on they told their whole story for us so obviously you and i didn't have to uh two boys from west Seneca started their own homebrew they're both brothers and they're just masterminds when it comes to brewing beer. They have so many recipes. They barely repeat recipes, and they just keep coming out with new stuff. They have stouts, which they don't really do too, too much of, but they wanted to partner with us to make a Buffalo Happy Hour Briar Brothers collab, which is where this stemmed from. But they do a lot of, um, like, 
they have this one thing called Punch Bowl. And if you've never seen their Punch Bowl, you need to go follow their Instagram right now. It's Briar Brothers Brewing on Instagram and Facebook. And it's just they, they have such a good process and a very consistent beer. It's just one of the best beers that I've ever had. I'm going to pull up the details on this specific one because I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. All we know is that it's motor oil. It's made with love. It's a thick boy. It's thick and we're excited. And it's 12%. 12%. That's obnoxious. So it's this is their Instagram post. You can go read them again. It's Briar Brothers Brewing on Instagram. So thick frequencies, 12.0%. Mike check, 1212. All listeners, tune in now. We are excited to announce the release of our first collaboration. We teamed up with Buffalo Happy Hour to bring you thick frequencies. How to start. This one's thick. Conditioned on Jamaican Blue Mountain Coffee and Tahitian Vanilla. This imperial stout provides a bitter but sweet coating that finishes with roasted coffee notes. Very nice. There is lactose in it. Um, that's what gives it kind of its more full-bodied flavor. So we are – it should have really beeped twice at this point, but we're going to beep beep it right now. So cheers, my friend. Cheers, Cheers, man. my friend. I Russian. haven't even had a sip of this yet. Me either. <sighs> that's a thick boy, but that is good. Ooh, doggy. Oh, my God. Well. This tastes like a milkshake. You know what this is, Derek? When you've had a long day out on the coal mines and you come back with black lung <laughs> and you want to drink what's inside your lungs, you pour yourself a good BHH, BBB collab There's stout. There's a lot of bees in that. And you sip this delicacy and you understand that daddy's bringing home the bread. <laughs> This you got to get so a good. little bit of like a rye bread in it, too. This is so good. We'll get into it later. This is a man's beer. It is. This is something that should not be enjoyed by someone who's a beta because <laughs> it'll it'll drink you. Yeah. So we talked about this, I'm assuming, when we had our first beer on, which I believe was Bry Brothers as well. We've done a couple of their products so far. I don't know why I looked at the, the heater when I was trying to look at the mic. Don't worry about it. The mic or the camera? The camera. You're a disaster. It's fine. It's this beer, man. That 12% is hitting hard already. One sip. So we had the uh, Briar Brothers on before a couple of their beers. We had a New England IPA and we had a regular IPA on, I think. Um, But we've had a couple beers, too. (laughs) So outside of Briar Brothers, obviously, what is your go-to beer? If you have something (laughs) I got two. Okay. I got two. Go for it. PBR and butt heavies. And I'm going to get so much flack. That's why I drink bourbon. But golly, do I love myself some PBR. Every time I open the fridge to grab a PBR, CCR plays. And I just get so fired up. And Budweiser, just because I love... I actually enjoy Budweiser, which I know I'm going to get flack for. But take it outside. I don't care about your opinions. And I also love what Budweiser does as a company for a lot of different things. I mean, they got scholarships for um, a lot of vets and then like Gold Star families. They do a lot for um, sports. They do. I mean, just the community in itself. And the Budweiser plant in Baldwinsville employs a ton of people right in Syracuse. It's a great company um, with a great product, and I'm okay with supporting them. What are your go-to's? You're such a typical vet. I I love it. 
PBR is so PBR. Except you'll never know it by my truck that I'm a vet. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, PBR is the type of beer I've I've categorized my beers into like what do I want to feel like when I'm drinking it. PBR is one of those ones that like if I don't want to feel like I'm drinking beer because PBR makes me burp a lot. It's it makes me burp a ton. Sounds like a you problem. Yeah. So if I'm very full, I'll have a PBR because <laughs> I feel better after drinking a PBR <laughs> because it just keeps like everything on a ro- on a cycle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, my go to beer if I was to go with a oh, traditional know. beer. I know what it is. If I was to oh, go with a oh. traditional beer, okay. like in something that's readily available throughout the country, it would be Yingling. Yingling's my go-to. It is so delicious. They're, Green yep. bottles matter. They're in my I've top been five. saying that for a pa- for the past like ten years at this point. Mm-hmm. I love Yingling. I like Magic Hat for the sole reason because I know that some dude is high as a freaking kite writing everything under the caps. Have you ever had a Magic Hat and read the cap underneath? One. I've it's, had one. They're riots. I don't know. I don't drink them anymore as much as I used to. When I was younger, like when I first turned twenty-one, that was my go-to. But those are just so heavy. If I want a beer. That I can slam on the reg, man. It's four miles raspberry weed beer. Yeah, it's super good. That's I our go-to when we golf. I cannot get over that beer. It's so good. I have like I'll go to Wegmans. I I've had six like an eight pack. What? It's pronounced Wegmans, <laughs> but that's fine. I've had like eight beers in a matter of two days from them. All that weight's coming back because of Jay at Four Mile. Well, it's just such a good beer it has a very very good taste to it it's light it's fruity it has that weedy notes to it and it doesn't make you full there's nothing else that you can really get from a beer right it, it's my favorite and i will continue drinking that until the day that i die well good i like that and now this one because this is this is a dessert beer for me this is such a good beer i'm super happy with it the thing that i like about briar brothers one of the things i like a lot of things about them but the thing that I like the most about their beer is how consistent the carbonation is on every single beer. It doesn't matter if it's a stout. It doesn't matter if it's an ale, one of their um, punch bowls. It doesn't matter. It's such a consistent carbon, uh, like a, a carbonation taste in every single one of their beers, which makes me happy, which makes me know that I'm drinking a Briar Brother. Yeah. So good. I'm with you. Now, do we rate this thing, or are we not supposed to because it's going to be an asterisk because we literally helped design it? Oh, yeah. I mean, this will definitely be like you need to try it yourself in order to rate this, but you can't try it yourself because it's, they already sold out. They yeah, sold so out in one day. They sold all of them in a day. Um, also, if anybody wants to buy a sweater, please let us know. Yeah, really. So I can, I can only imagine that the reason that they sold out in a day is because of us. I mean, we're just so prominently famous in the local Buffalo community. It, it's tough to keep stuff that we're not on the uh, on You're the a disaster. <laughs> not even close. No, they are all of their stuff sells out. They are they are very and we shouldn't say sells out because they don't sell it. But when people when all their friends want it, it's gone within a second. Like right. you and I have to message them as soon as it comes out because one of their other friends probably got more of them because they just give it all away because they can't sell it. But this is something that we obviously had to get because it's our name on it. Mm-hmm. Like we could have been like, oh, sold out. We can't even taste it. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is this is fantastic. And uh, we definitely had a part in this. I don't know how this would taste if you and I did not mix up those grains. I do. The exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> Literally wouldn't change at all. 
But no. no, it's good. I like it. So thank you again for having us. Thank you for all the work you guys put in. And thank you for letting us be a part of the process because actually there's a friend of mine who also homebrews. And I was able to intelligently have a conversation with him about the brewing process and like what he would need. I'm like, you got water hookups for this? Because he just bought a new house. Mm. And he's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brew in my basement. I'm like, you got a water hookup? And he just like looked at me. I'm like, let's see your tanks, man. Like, what do you got? So we're going over like the heater ring in the bottom that heats the water. Do you get a size brew? Right. So we started going over all that. And he's like, yeah. Uh. And he's like really surprised that I knew some stuff. I was like, that's what I'm talking about, man. Like I'm able to speak the same language now because I lived it. Damn so right. thank you for that. Because that's, I mean, obviously you cannot get that in a formal education. Self-education. It's true. For me, anyways. You, I mean, you could literally go to school to brew beer, but that's yeah. fine. I mean, another thing, too, that we did is we were able to hook them up with the guy from Crooked Brews. So they're going to be talking back and forth sharing some ideas maybe some brew locations and all that stuff so there's there's more to come on that front too it's just yeah. it's cool to at least be able to provide some level of like this is what we contribute to this friendship <laughs> because outside of that it was just like yeah sure i'll, I'll like mix the grains for like five seconds my arm kind of hurts though do you want to do it <laughs> Yeah, that and I guess I'll clean something. Yeah, that's true. No, this is fine. very good though. It is, it is definitely a d- dessert beer. Oh yeah, crushing it. So yeah, you want to rate this thing? We don't have a cocktail section, obvi. Because, so we will rate this. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got. We have to. We have to rate it. Yeah, but it's gonna be an asterisk because we. I mean, we created it with them. Yeah, but everybody wants to, so. We can put an asterisk. Everyone's going to know it's going to be like a 105 rating overall. I was going to go our 110, own beer. but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but people want to know what we're tasting. So it's not necessarily a rate for them to go buy because they can't buy because they don't sell it. So this is going to be a more along the lines of how does this taste compared to everything else? That way, when they do, if they ever do start selling and they get a place, if they ever do, we can then have people go back to this episode and be like, this is what their stout tasted like. Let's go try it. So we have to do it. We have to give back to the boys. Today's Saturday, goddammit. We could be extremely quick about it and say it tastes like a Guinness, but better. I also have my uh, Brad Brother glass. So Have you ever had a Guinness from Ireland? What kind of a question? I live in West Seneca. Well, it sounds like a you problem. There's people no, from West Seneca had, that travel the world. I've never had a Guinness from Ireland. So the point is, Guinness in Ireland tastes better than Guinness here. Like, it's a world of a difference. They're two totally different drinks with the same name, same label, same recipe, but they taste different. Perfect. Well, I'm drinking this out of a Smidwick's. This is my Briar Brothers glass. Every single time I have a Briar Brothers beer, I take a picture of it and I post it on my uh, Instagram, which actually I'm going to do live episode. Why? What's the backstory behind that for people that don't know? Just because it fits. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have, like, I don't have any beer glasses because I don't really drink beer. And if I do drink beer, I drink it out of the cans. But Briar Brothers, when they they first started, they didn't have pop caps like this. It was just like a full thing that comes out. So it was tough to drink out of. Now they have these, but when I started drinking uh, their their first product, I had to pour it in a glass, and this was the one that I chose, and now I just have it for every single time that I have a Briar Brothers beer, and I don't touch it unless I have a Briar Brothers beer in my hand. So let's do a little, uh, we got to jump into the History of Buffalo segment, but before we do that, let's rate it really quick. It's going to be a really long episode, and I thought it was going to be short. Would you look at that? 
So label branding, same. A plus plus. It meets all the criteria. It's unique. It's got all the information you need. It's got fancy fonts, which makes me happy inside. The biggest thing that gets me off is brewed and packaged in Buffalo, New York. And And also the logo was designed by our graphic designer as well. So we really shouldn't be writing this thing. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. So A++++. Perfect. Okay. So (laughs) nose, what are you getting for the nose? I'm getting chocolate. I lost all senses. So COVID. COVID. (laughs) Chocolate, coffee. Yeah, that's all I'm getting is chocolate and coffee. Way to literally steal my thunder. Rating? A 12 pluses? I think. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Initial (laughs) taste? So obnoxious. (laughs) You got like a little bit of a dry tart um, at the end of the initial taste, but up front, it's just very smooth and it's filling, Mm -hmm. but not in the sense of I just ate chicken parm for four people filling. It's a feeling of it embodies your mouth, and then it just kind of encapsulates what you would want in your first sip of a good beer after you cut the grass. I agree. I agree. agree. So chocolate, coffee, and like what? What were you saying? Like a like tart? A, like a tart. I can't place it, though, but it's got like a, a little tart at the end of the initial taste, and it diminishes completely, Yeah. which leads into the ending note of... Wanting another one. Yeah. This is similar to certain bourbons we had where it just cuts off at the ending note and then you just want more of the initial taste. Yeah. You get a little bit of a like a vanilla at the end. <clears throat> it's very like... It's faint, but it's there. The ending is thin. Very. I don't know how they did it because it everything's in the front, like you were saying. It's very thick in the front, thick with two C's, which is why this is called thick frequencies. And then it tapers off very, very quickly at the end, leaving you like this malted, um, malted, grainy rye bread vanilla ending note to it. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree, I agree, I agree. This beer is like a piggyback ride, but on the front. What? It's all front loaded. Like a reverse mullet? Yeah, a reverse piggyback. Yeah. So how are you holding them? They basically just koala you. And then you hold them from the front. Jesus, sorry. All right, you want to give a final rating? Sure, give me that countdown. Three, two, one. 456. <laughs> <laughs> you started laughing before I even finished. <laughs> 456 in a what? 96. Is 180? It doesn't sound right. 456 and a 96? Nah, dude. It's probably closer to like two something. 456. How are you doing the math? Can you explain it to me? No. You do it. <laughs> what are you getting? 456 and 96? Yeah. Let's see really good content. <laughs> 276. Okay. It is... About probably our number one ranked thing we've ever rated. I I, I don't. 
<laughs> so obnoxious. Let's get into the history this is segment. This is super good. And if you're not following them, again, I can't emphasize this enough. There are two awesome dudes from uh, Buffalo that are brewing their own beer. They're having a great time doing it. And they're pumping out some amazing products for all their friends to enjoy. And I'm hoping in the future they can get people to start buying it because they will make a killing. They're doing such a good job. Yeah. So again, go find them on Instagram. It's at Briar Brothers Brewing on Instagram and uh, follow them on their journey because they are going super hard and everything is very good. All right. So let's get into the history of Buffalo segment. So, Michael, we are jumping into the History of Buffalo segment. This is episode seven out of our segment miniseries, or also called the second last one. Yeah, so it's a suburbanization and decline. Perfect. So, 1957 and 2010. So, it should be a very quick segment. Yeah. Uh, I'll start off, but at the end, we also got some quick fun facts for you guys with dates, just to let you know kind of where we are in the world of things. And then I also got another fun fact, which I wanted to end with, where... It dives into homeowners being upset when they did the tax assessment in 2020. You remember this? Why 2020? Remember when they redid the tax assessment? This ends in 2010. Listen, sweetheart. 2010. (laughs) Yeah. Sounded like Patrick. Do you remember when they did the tax assessment? Yeah. Like a couple months ago when everybody flipped out and they're disputing it? Mm -hmm. I have interesting numbers that we can discuss later. So let's- About 2020? About population with Buffalo. Hopefully it stops at 2010. We had a whole 10 years to talk about. Hold on. So the city's population gradually began to decline in the decades after World War II. A key cause was suburban migration, which was a major national trend at the time. Race riots rocked the city in 1967 to 1972. And while the city's population declined in the 1960s, the census for the first time in its history. Um, So Erie County as a whole continued growing through the 1970s census. Another factor was the opening of the St. Lawrence Seaway in 1957. Goods, which had previously passed through Buffalo, could now bypass using a series of canals and locks, reaching the ocean via the St. Lawrence River. Lobbying by local businesses and interest groups against the St. Lawrence Seaway began in the 1920s, long before its construction, which was 1973. Um, Shipbuilding in Buffalo, such as the American Shipbuilding Company, shut down in 1962 which was essentially the ending of an industry that had been a sector of the city's economy since 1812, which we talked about before in a previous episode, so feel free to dive in that. Um, All of that was a direct result of reduced waterfront activity. The city, which boasted over half a million people at its peak, saw its population decline by some 50% by 2010 as industry shut down and people left the Rust Belt for the employment opportunities of the South and West. Erie County has lost population in every census since 1970. Why do you think that is? <clears throat> Weather. It's been 50 years. Yeah. And it, I mean, you're going to throw out some facts that I don't know about uh, soon about the population, but it's been 50 years and we've been declining ever since then. Yeah. The, the Western New York area. So do you think it's only weather or do you no. think that there's other reasons? No, that's a joke. It? It's definitely not weather. It has everything to do with taxes, in my opinion. Everything to do with it. As yeah. soon as you leave New York State, your money goes 30% further. Fact. I mean, it just does. People throw around this a lot, and I would love your input on this, a realistic input. So they've thought about, and there's been multiple proposals about splitting New York State and cutting off New York City and making us New Amsterdam, which is 
actually, I found out why we called this New Amsterdam during this segment. I didn't know why we were called New Amsterdam at first. I thought they were just like basing it off a of TV show with Ryan Eggold in it. Um, but that's why we're called New Amsterdam is from two episodes ago or whatever it was. So what, are your, what do you think about that, about us splitting off from New York City? What are the ramifications of that happening when it comes to like tax dollars for us from the federal government? I'm asking you because you're a professional in taxation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a, I'm a CPA. I don't know if you know that, but no, I literally have no light to stand on regarding any of this. But my opinion is, I think the people that reside in New York that are outside of downstate would benefit from that. Um, I mean, even if you look at water and where electricity comes from like 70 percent of niagara falls goes downstate for electrical power Mm -hmm. something like it's an obnoxious percentage right so why and what happens if we do split off what i mean would we then keep niagara falls and then new york city has to figure it out you know what i mean like what what is the infrastructure impact that would occur if that did happen that's probably why it hasn't happened yet most likely but if you think about it if 70 percent is going downstate of Niagara Falls power, how much further would New Amsterdam become solely based off of Niagara Falls if we relied solely on Niagara Falls to power all of New Amsterdam? Well, I think a lot of it, too, deals with the sovereign state with the Indians, right? Like the Native Americans own sovereign land in New York or New Amsterdam can't do anything with that. Mm. So if we can't touch it and they own it, then there's not much we can do. And I believe Native Americans impact a lot of niagara falls now in the city of niagara falls and Mm -hmm. then that whole area with the ports and everything else not not just the casinos so i think that there's something to say for that as well where it's just there's a lot of easter eggs that need to be found and logistically figured out before it's a realistic proposal but Mm -hmm. i I don't see any downside in that for us personally like for the greater New York area for the middle class. What is basically? Yeah. What is the downside of it? Like, I understand there's a lot of money coming out of downstate, but but is there? Because now there's more millionaires and billionaires leaving New York than staying in New York. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because so, of the taxes. A hundred percent. I mean, there's people that work like my um, my wife's side of the family has people that live downstate. Right. They work downstate rather, but they bought a house in a different state. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what what sense does it make to spend seventeen thousand dollars a month for a one thousand square foot apartment? Right. Like that's that's preposterous. And when you look at the housing market down there, it's even worse. Like it just doesn't make any sense at all. Obviously, mm-hmm. those are inflated numbers or whatever. But to, I mean, to the same point, it's almost not. Where if you make six figures in in downstate, you're just surviving. Right. So it's it's all cost of living, and it's I mean. That's a whole huge can of worms, but I yeah. think somebody does need to bring it up again. It's constantly talked about. Yeah. Constantly this talked needs about. to happen because I am, I am. We've talked about this multiple times because you and I have thrown out the idea, and we'll get back to this. I promise. But you and I have thrown out the idea a bunch of times of us leaving Buffalo and going to a state that has no income tax. But I love Buffalo, and so do you. Like Buffalo is such a cool city. If we could pick up the entire city and move it to Tennessee or to North Dakota or something, it would be such a better city because 
of the environment that it's in and in the state that it's in. New York is just killing it. Yeah. And I just, something needs to happen. But uh, I'm sorry. We've gone off on quite a tangent. This is going to be four hours long. No, you're good. So the post-war rise of the automobile also saw the city's landscape reshaped. The Buffalo Skyway opened in 1953, and the first portion of the Niagara Thruway opened in 1959, using much of the route of the old Erie Canal alongside the river, which I find hilarious. Meanwhile, the region obtained a professional football franchise, the Buffalo Bills, that began play in 1960, and a professional hockey team, which is the Buffalo Sabres, that began play in 1970. A basketball franchise, the Buffalo Braves, which most people don't know about, also called the city home from 70 to 78 and the city opened a new baseball stadium in 1988 in an, a unsuccessful effort to attract a major league baseball team little do they know we got the uh, toronto blue jays for like four games yeah. so jokes on them yes yeah, so that was pretty solid um july 3rd 2003 at the climax of a fiscal crisis the buffalo fiscal stability authority was established to oversee the finances of the city as a hard control board they have frozen the wages of city employees and must approve or reject all major expen- expenditures. After a period of severe financial stress, Erie County, where Buffalo resides, was assigned a fiscal stability authority on July 12, 2005, which is really not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And they were the soft control board. However, they act only in an advisory capacity. Both authorities were established by New York State. So the state basically intervened and said, look, get your shit squared away because you're a dumpster fire. Um, In 2005, November, Byron Brown was elected mayor of Buffalo, who was the first African-American to hold the office, Um, which this kind of brings us into the quick key events. In 1954, WGRZ began broadcasting, which I thought was interesting. Uh, 1977... Famous Buffalo Blizzard happened. Everyone knows about the Blizzard of 77 with their parents. But it wasn't even like that. Like, it was bad. It was a bad Blizzard. Obviously, there was a lot of blowing snow and you couldn't see anything. But the most, I think the biggest misconception about the Blizzard of 77 was that there was feet and feet and feet of snow, which it wasn't. Yeah, it was just wind. Yeah. So, like, the November storm that we had, when parts of New York got six feet in a matter of, like, a night, that was a much bigger snowfall than all of the Blizzard of 77. But there was no wind. But there was no wind, correct. It was nuts. Uh, 1979, Buffalo and Erie County Naval and Military Park were established. Amtrak, in the same year, also closes the Buffalo Central Terminal, which is huge because now it's a massive historical landmark, which mm-hmm. basically people just bring their Mustangs there and take pictures in. Anyways. I did a ghost tour there once, did I tell you that? Yeah. It was exciting. Anyways. I want to sleep sometime this year. Um, They also redirected their passenger rail service to the Exchange Street and Depew stations. And the Depew station is still open. I actually used the Depew station once, and I took a train, I think, to... To where? uh, Syracuse, I believe. Why? It was probably a quicker car ride. Listen, uh, in 1984, the Republic Steel shutters at South Buffalo Mill. Sad day. Uh, 1988... Salem Field, which my dad would still scream, you mean Pilot Field? They opened. uh, And now for the interesting facts for population. The city's population in 1990 was 328,123. I say again, in 1990, the city's population was 328,123. So then Midland... Uh, Marine Midland Center replaces the odd, and then Key Bank Center replaces Midland Center. They open in 1996. You got HSBC. Yeah, now it's HSBC. No, it was HSBC. Or, yeah, now it's in Key between Bank. then. Yeah. So 
interesting for the the populations. If you look from 1990, the city's population was 328,123. In previous episodes, I'm on record stating that the city's population was about 260,000 people. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. If you look at the census in 2018, it was 260,000 people. But then in 2020, after the tax assessment and the census, the city's population is 891,000 people. How? And Erie County's population is 921,569. Okay, first of all, that seems extremely wrong. Because how is Buffalo's population... 30,000 less than the the entire Erie County population. And there's a ton of people outside of Buffalo. How is that even remotely close? Makes no sense. But that's what came up. So going back to the census and the property taxes, how do those tie in? Because when they did the tax assessments, they also looked at populations. Because they they were basically recalibrating the housing market. And that's why you're now also seeing the jump in and um, prices in the housing market because of they haven't people. looked at dude they haven't looked at anything in so long and then all of a sudden we had the resurgence right and we have five cranes up at a time year round rebuilding the infrastructure the Buffalo Medical Campus is booming Roswell's booming UB is booming then you have all the all the different businesses that are opening up right outside of ours but you have like resurgence and then name the craft beers name the distilleries name the different restaurants if you're interested in learning more about those distilleries or craft breweries head over to our channel we interviewed basically all of them Sorry. i'm gonna go throw up now but yeah so essentially all of that massive surge in business made the city look and say is there a way that we can recheck some things and make sure that we're, like we're not underpriced because if you were in the city dude the the property tax in the city is like two thousand dollars a year yeah so then they redid all of that, and then now you're seeing, like, Boston, New York. We talked about it. If you want to buy a house in Boston, New York as your second house that's that you don't want to flip, you can't even walk into the door to have a conversation unless you're willing to put $250,000 down because otherwise the house just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be anywhere from three fifty to four fifty thousand dollars for a house in Boston that's worth moving into and good luck finding it because the people that own them aren't moving and they're not dying either right so the, it just doesn't exist so do you think that they undercounted a ton in 1990 or do you think they're overcounting and inflating the numbers now in 2020 I think that they haven't looked at anything in decades and that might also be some of the mismanagement that occurred in 2005 could be I mean, if you look at the state deficit, the only reason there's a state deficit was because we overspent on Medicaid. That's what got us into $6 billion in debt in the first place. Then Rona put us from 6 bill to 63 bill. Perfect. Right. So it's that, I mean, you have to look at things of how did, what actually got us to that point. But most people don't do that. They just look at face value and say, well, we're at $63 billion in debt. It's 100% all because of Rona. Like, well, it's not. It's right. because we overspent 4% every year for Medicaid for years, and then we put ourselves in $6 billion in debt. And now we're complaining to the federal government asking for a bailout. Yeah. Well, that's pretty insane that what was – I'm interested. So in the 2008, 2012 – well, in the 2016 election, how many people voted in Buffalo? Because right now, in the 2020 election, 
we had a, a ton of people vote in Buffalo. I think that we had about almost 300,000 casted votes, which if you think about it, there's a bunch of people that don't vote because they truly don't care or don't understand anything. And there's also a ton of people that don't vote because they're too young or too old to get to the polling place. So the number of 300,000 makes sense if you account for the people that aren't voting to come up with that 81,000 or 891,000 number. But the people, number of people in Buffalo that voted for the 2016 election it had to have been close to that. So why didn't they look at the numbers and they're like, clearly all four-year-olds aren't voting. So where is this Where is this entire population coming from? Okay, let's see. You know what I'm saying? 100%. So it was Obama versus McCain in 2008, obviously. Yeah. McCain got 2.7 million votes. In New York. What about Buffalo? Yep. And then Obama got 4.8 million. Now, in Buffalo... Jesus. Buffalo, Are you kidding? Buffalo voted blue. No. I think the entire 2008 election, those number of votes with both of those combined didn't even make up Trump or Biden in this election. It's crazy how many people turned out this year. So many people voted this year. I'm trying to get... I would have to get county-specific... So, we should have had this conversation beforehand so I could have got it all. No, nah, man, it's fine. We do everything raw. Raw. Presidential election. Barack Obama. Why do they draw a picture of Barack Obama? That just doesn't seem right. Here we go. I got it from the New York Times is my source. Perfect. So, that's 100% false. What? Did I say that out loud? Can I zoom into the state here? Come on. Okay. So, Erie County... of Erie County voted for Obama, which equated to 218,645 people. So 58%. So let's round that to 60%. Yep. 200, how many people? 18,000. Okay, so 200, let's just round even numbers here. So 200,000, yeah. Let's just do easy. 60%, 200,000. So that means that we had 300,000 people in Buffalo at that time, and our census hasn't been updated and at that time, what were we having? Like 350,000 people in Buffalo? Essentially. So they're thinking that 50,000 people were under the age of 18 and couldn't vote. That's just stupid why they didn't look at this earlier. I don't even know what this even means for us. It doesn't. We really just went down a rabbit hole of just logical thinking, which the average American doesn't do anymore. But still, it's just it's such a shame that none of this has been done before because now you're seeing these skyrockets thinking that it's out of nowhere when in actual actuality it's somewhat validated because of our population but also not because they shouldn't be charging us this much for taxes right yeah i am very curious to see what the plan is other than please print money to get us out of 63 billion in debt but anyways that's the uh suburbanization and decline segment of our segment miniseries for episode seven. So now we have one more segment left, which is episode eight, and that is recovery. So it's 2010 to present day. So we'll probably talk about how, I don't know, hoax got hit with like ice. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we'll figure I mean, we out. We could talk about like all the scandals in politics that happened in the past 10 years. There's a lot of them. We can talk about anything, really. 
Um, but oh, yeah. really, I think Anthony Weiner happened within 2010 oh, yeah, and 2020, did. And right? So did Elliot Spitzer or oh, whatever yeah. his name was. Oh yeah, what a jabroni! I know. So yeah, that was episode seven. Next week is coming episode eight, where we talk about the recovery. If you're interested in anything that happened prior to 1957, if you're a big history buff and you're like, ah, oh, what happened in 1756? I really want to know. We'll go back and check out our episode number two, where we talk about the first Europeans. So there's a lot to discuss. We went through all of it. If that interests you, go check out our playlist. In our YouTube channel, where we list out all the episodes that are associated with this mini series, and look forward to our next mini series. We're coming up on the next one, man. What is mini series number two? Prominent figures, I believe. Prominent figures of Buffalo. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Where we talk about a little bit more about um, McKinley, probably because he had a no doubt Grover yeah, Cleveland. Grover Cleveland. We'll talk about his golf course for sure. Wells Fargo. Uh, Wells Fargo. Yeah. Olmstead. And everything. Yeah. Knox. Yeah, everything Buffalo. So if that's something that you're interested in or you know somebody that might be interested in that, please share this with some of your friends. It only helps us grow. With this episode right now, we're going to be releasing Serial Spot. Huge, dude. Huge. This is a very exciting interview. It's one of the newest up-and-coming restaurants, I guess you can say, in the Buffalo area. The dude specializes in cereal, but he has so much more than that. He's got such a great personality that rounds out his whole business. And walking into that place, you can feel the whole vibe of that place walking in. 1990s all over again. Yeah, so definitely check out that interview. Again, forward that all to your friends. If you liked this video, please subscribe. Please leave a like and also comment below. Let us know if you like the direction that this channel's going. Uh, we have these weekly episodes where you and I just talk about whatever we feel like. And then we have these Friday episodes where we interview people. So let us know if that direction you like and we'll continue doing it. We'll probably continue doing it anyway. But let us know what you think of everything. And Michael, this has been what? Episode 63. I'm almost positive. 62? No, I believe you're right. Oh, 63. Yeah, 63. It's you're just sh- crazy to think yeah, about. Yeah, you're shaking your head now. Um, this has been episode 63 of the Buffalo Happy Hour Podcast. Again, we appreciate all of your support. Maybe. We have, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, we have sweatshirts still for sale. They make great Christmas gifts. Hit us up. We have all the sizes left, but we are running low. We did hit that mark where I consider us running low. So if you want some of these, or if you want a sweatshirt, please hit us up soon so we can make sure we ship it out before the holiday season. And that's really it. So again, thank you everybody for subscribing. Uh, we'll see you here next week where we talk about the recovery and also whatever whiskey we have on the table. So, Michael, this is it. Have a great day and just be a good person, please. And don't let her. We're out. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.